Thank you, Jeremiah. Yeah. It's always good to see him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Once again, welcome. And uh, before we jump in, we want to encourage you, if you're watching at home uh, and you're on the church website, you want to go to the video player, click on that, and the notes will show up. Or if you're on the church Facebook page, uh, you want to go to the comments section. Once again, the notes will jump up right at you. And uh, we want to encourage you to uh, stay connected. Man, we know there's a lot of distractions, right? A lot of distractions at home, here, everywhere. And so to, uh, to stay where we need to be, it's always good to uh, follow along in the Bible and uh, fill in those awesome blanks where the words are provided for you as we go along. So, yeah. Well, Jeremiah put it out there. He's, um, he's given us where we're going in the future with Life Church. So, man, we've missed everybody for sure. And it's always good to see you face to face. And uh, we're going we're to do that with great expectation. So if you have your Bibles, you want to go to uh, the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, the second book in the New Testament, chapter 5. With this COVID-19 hitting the fan for the last few months, uh, we know that um, from word that's coming in, that people are drinking more alcohol, they're using more drugs to um, just kind of survive, to make it through these stressful times. And um, Nicky Cruz talks about the time when he said, I was high on hate and violence. Who was Nicky Cruz? Well, he was the leader of the renowned Mau Mau gang in New York City back in the day. The Mau Maus were known as the toughest gang on the street. And uh, man, when Nicky Cruz showed up on the street, people just kind of did a about face. They disappeared because the guy had a reputation. He had a lot of hate within him. And uh, Nicky says New York was a jungle. The law of the jungle, you have to behave like an animal. Animals don't know the difference between right and wrong. An animal has to kill another animal for survival. You see, Nicky saw himself as an animal. How did that happen? Well, he grew up in Puerto Rico, and his parents, mom and dad, both brutally abused him. Nicky's father used to throw him in a room full of pigeons and... uh, Nicky said, man, when he put me in there, I would scream. It would freak out the pigeons. They'd start attacking me and biting me. And um, it was just a bad time. How about Nicky's mother? Well, she hit me so much and knocked me unconscious over and over again. In fact, the name she would call me was Son of Satan. That was my name. Yeah, so my mom called me. It wasn't just because they were cruel, he said. They were evil people. My mom and dad were involved in seances, satanic worship, animal sacrifices. Um, That was all part of my normal life growing up. 
I saw my mom and dad. They were influenced by the devil many times. And so when Nicky was 15 years old, man, he was kind of out of control. His parents couldn't uh, get a grip on him. So they said, Nicky, we're going to send you up to New York City where you can live with your older brother. Well, that happened back in 1953. Nicky was 15 years old. When he hit the streets of New York City, man, the guy went wild. He was a hardened man as a 15-year-old. No love in him, but he was full of hate. He said, I wanted to do to others what my mother did to me. I used to feel really good hurting people. That doesn't sound too exciting, does it? No, (laughs) it doesn't. But he said, you know what? When I was all alone in our apartment, he said, I just didn't feel good. I didn't. He said, privately, when I was alone, loneliness crawled inside my chest and began to eat me. I was there twisting and fighting. I felt so lost. The most you can live that way is 20 years. That's what I was told. I was already 19, one year, and I would be dead. That's what the life expectancy was for gangs in New York City. Only two people saw that desperate condition that I was living in. One was a psychologist, because my life was so messed up. The police sent me to see this man, and this is what he evaluated, evaluated me. He said, you know, there's a dark side in your life, Nikki, that nobody can penetrate. You are walking straight to jail, the electric chair, and hell. There's no hope for you. Now, how would that be? Those hear those encouraging words, man. Well, that's what he had. But there was somebody else in Nikki's life that began to make an impact on him, and that was a pastor by the name of David Wilkerson. In fact, David risked his life to tell Nikki that there was hope for him. So you've got the psychologist on this side telling him, man, you're going to crash and burn. And then you had this pastor, David Wilkerson, saying, hey, man, there's hope for you in Jesus Christ. Nikki said, I, I heard his voice, David's voice. God has the power to change your life, he'd say. And I'd start cursing back at David. I spit in his face and I hit him. I don't believe in what you say and you get out of here right now. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Nikki never expected to hear what David's words were in response to that. David said, you could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them in the street, and every piece will still love you. Man, Nicky could not handle that. He, he, he couldn't handle it. He said, man, it did damage. In f- it was good damage in my brain and in my heart. I began to question, and for the next two weeks, I couldn't stop thinking about the love of God. Well, Nicky and his gang, the Mau Maus, showed up at one of David Wilkerson's rallies in New York. One by one, they began to give their lives to Jesus Christ. Nicky said, what got me was the crucifixion. To realize that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I, I just couldn't get away from that. He said, I was choked up with pain. My eyes were fighting And tears began to come down, and more tears, and I was fighting, and then I finally surrendered. I let Jesus hug me. 
and I let my head rest on his chest. I said, I'm sorry, forgive me. And for the first time, I told somebody, I love you. Wow. Well, the love that Nikki received from Jesus Christ radically changed his life. Um, you'll see on the screen, Nikki and some of the gang brought their weapons to David Wilkerson, said, we're done. We're done fighting on the streets. And in return, they got Bibles. Pretty cool. Yeah. And so, Nikki says, man, I, I was born again. And I was a child of the Lord. So he left the gang, enrolled in Bible college. When he was finished, he moved back to New York City, started working with David Wilkerson with Teen Challenge. And uh, since then, Nikki's traveled all over the world uh, telling his life story and about the great love of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the most happy human being because I have reached millions of people that have come to Jesus through my story. But the greatest success of my life was when I brought my mother to Jesus and my father and my brother. Can you imagine that? Wow. Nikki chose to forgive his parents, and he asked them to forgive him. He said, when true forgiveness comes in and out from you, that dark cloud will disappear. You have access straight to the heart of Christ. And so, once an animal, that's what Nicky saw himself as, filled with hate, uh, then and there, and even now today, he is a lover of people. So if you met Nicky Cruz on the street today, you probably wouldn't run from him, not like the old days. You'd run to him, and this is what he might say back to you. You, can't, you can turn all this deep pain, hurt, and rejection and do what I did. Give it to Christ. You're going to be more happy with your life. That is the story of Nicky Cruz and the power of Jesus Christ transforming a hardened brutal life. And he can do it in your life as well. Man. And so, in Mark chapter 5, there's going to be a a narration where Jesus has has an encounter with a man. Uh, You might say, you know what, it sounds a little bit like Nikki Cruz. So let's pick it up at verse 1 in uh, Mark 5. So they arrived, they, that's Jesus and his disciples, they were in a boat. And uh, you, could, you could pick it up on the tail end of chapter 4 and see that uh, Jesus had fallen asleep in the boat. A brutal storm came up, and uh, the disciples woke Jesus up, and he calmed the wind, the wave, the storm. And from that storm, they're landing in this area. So, um, So on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. 
When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Well, that's where we'll hit the pause button for now. Uh, Once again, let's uh, just talk to the Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. We want to thank you right off the bat how your power radically changed and transformed Nikki Cruz to become a man of God. Man, that's, that's so encouraging. And Lord, as we open up Mark 5 here today, may you speak to us. May you challenge us. Lord, may we find ourselves in this text where we can relate it to our own lives. Change us, Lord, into more of you, your character. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we have it. Um, Mark chapter 5. We see... Jesus coming with his disciples. They're coming to the Gerasenes on purpose. And uh, we'll find out in just a moment how that is. But so you have Jesus. You, you just heard what he does to a person's life when they allow him to come in and change him. And now in, in Mark 5, we see a man who is possessed by not a demon, but demons, plural. The power of Satan is, uh, is running his life. Now, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't avoid this man. He has purposed to go to this place at this time to have a collision with this man. Now, there's a lot of talk today in um, seminaries, in Bible colleges, that there is no devil um, or if there is a devil, he's pretty weak. And um, it's interesting that Jesus himself talked about the devil. Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew 4. And um, Jesus isn't downplaying that there is a devil or demons in our world today. In fact, in John eight forty four, Jesus said, He, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's Jesus' statement about Satan. First John 3.8 says, When people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to who? The devil. If, if you're not living for Jesus, you're living for the devil. There's no neutral ground in life, by the way. And um, who has been sinning since the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And we're going to see this in in Mark 5. And uh, we also want to be reminded that in Ephesians 6.12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So, So when Jesus deals with Satan or demons in the Gospels, every single time 
He's an overcomer. He's an overcomer. And the cool thing is that that resurrection power that, that brought him out of the grave is resonant in every follower of Jesus Christ. And we do not have to be afraid of Satan if Christ is living inside us. So number one in your notes, Jesus pursues. Jesus pursues. I love it, man. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. So Jesus, as we mentioned, dealt with a horrific storm on the Sea of Galilee that previous night. (laughs) He was trying to get, you know, some sleep. And of course, the disciples wouldn't let that happen understandably. And, uh, and so he, he spoke to the wind and the waves. He, he used his authority. And on, on the tail end of verse 41, um, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Terrified at what? That he had the authority to put a hold on the wind, waves, and this storm that they were dealing with. And they asked, who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Boom! Even the wind and the waves obey him. So he has authority. But can I tell you something? That Jesus went through a storm to get where this demon-possessed man was. He went through some challenges to get to where this tormented man was. Why? Because Jesus loved him. Jesus wanted to set him free. Jesus wanted to have a relationship with him. That's the heart of God. He will do anything and everything to be where you are. In fact, he's doing it right now. That's why Jesus pursues. Man, he he did it back in in Mark chapter 5, and he's doing it in 2020. He pursues us. And so the, the Gerasenes, um, we've got a map up on the screen. It's in the southeast corner of the Sea of Galilee. And um, this is a Gentile area. You see on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, that's where all the, that's where all the, the Jewish communities were. Now, if you went to the Gerasenes, this is where the Gentiles lived. <laughs> and they were not expecting Jesus to show up here, man. Um, this is, this is Gentile territory. And, um, when you, when you see the response of these, these folks in the community, you're going to understand this. So anyway, Jesus climbed out of the boat and, um, we, we read here that a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. What was he doing? What was this guy doing? He was basically saying, hey, this is my territory. This is my ground. Uh, you have no authority to be here. You know, because he had a reputation, this, this man, of, you know, when, when you li- listen to everything that happened in this cemetery, uh, people stayed away, you know. He wasn't the kind of guy where you'd invite him over for breakfast and have a cup of coffee with, you know. But Jesus shows up on purpose. 
He showed up on purpose because of his love. Just like Jesus pursues you and he pursues me because he wants that relationship and he wants it to be where it needs to be. Number two, living in a cemetery. Look at verse three. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. So they put a chain on this dude and he broke it all the time. Verse 4, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, so the chain didn't work, so now they're using chains and shackles, plural. Foot shackles, wrist shackles. As he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And day and night he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Man, I don't know about you, Have you ever been in a place where you felt very uncomfortable? You know, like it was dark. I'm not talking about the lights were out, but you just feel like something sinister is going on, you know? And and so everything inside you is saying, man, I need to get out of here. Well, this is the kind of environment where I'd say, yeah, man, that, why would I go to a cemetery? Maybe I want to go, but Jesus would. Jesus would. And we realize that the man's address, you know, all the mail he got came to the cemetery. And um, men tried to bind him. Um, I don't know about you, but when you read through this, this man, this man went through some tough times. In fact, no one was strong enough to subdue him. That word subdue means it's the Greek word used for taming an animal. Just like Nicky Cruz considered himself an animal when he went to New York City. The, the verbiage here, when, no human being was able to subdue him, tame a wild animal. Couldn't do it. And man, you, you see this picture of Satan and how he wants to destroy people. Think about that. Satan hates you. He hates human beings because you've been made in the image of God. You were handmade by God. That's why he hates you, and he wants to destroy you. This is a perfect picture, man, of Satan's agenda with human beings. Yeah. We see that not only happening in the cemetery there, but, man, when a dad today goes off in a rage, you know, against one of his children or against his wife or a a mother goes on these sacred benches or there's rebellion with a teenager in the house or can I tell you something? It's Satan does not sit still. He, he's, he's working overtime because he knows his time is short right now. And we get a glimpse with this wild man of um, Satan's goal for you and me. And some of you today, you may think, you know, I've been a follower of Christ for, you know, so long and I've got it together spiritually. Please don't have that attitude. Because when we start becoming overconfident, that that spiritual pride can well up and we start to coast spiritually, we become a target for the enemy. So we have to be diligent every single day in our walk with the Lord. And you look at verse 5, Um, with those demons inside him, 
uh, they were out to destroy him. It says, day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Howling. It's like a shrieking scream. Oh, creepy, huh? That's how it was. And um, cutting with sharp stones, man, you know, just destroying his body. Well, today, Maria puts it this way, people can see my scars and I'm too afraid to tell them about a razor blade because I don't think they understand. So I just tell them that there are scratches and that they're just like a nervous habit. Mm. It's called self-mutilation. That's becoming very common today in our culture. In fact, it's estimated that over 3 million people consistently cut themselves. Self-hate, um, dissatisfied with their life, whatever the case may be, you know. Maybe they're in a lot of pain and it's just kind of a distraction for them. Man, can I, can I tell you, please, please, bring that pain. Bring that insecurity. Whatever it is, bring it to Jesus, man. Because he, he understands. He does. So, there we have it. Demons, we know, exist and are active today. I, I think we could say, yeah, just look at our world today. You know? The struggles that, are, that people are going through. Um, we can see demonic activity. In James 3... 13 through 16, it says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Now check this out. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever you find jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. What is James saying? If you carry jealousy or selfish ambition, you have opened the door for demonic activity in your life. You are inviting demonic influence into your life. You just can't blow it off, man. You know, well, that's not me. If you are flirting with these characteristics, you've, you're flirting with that dude in the cemetery. And so, number three, Jesus encounters evil. Look at verse six. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him, and with a shriek he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of that man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. So, this man runs to where... Jesus, he said, ran to meet him, and he bowed low before him. 
he recognized, those demons inside this man recognized that it was Jesus out of that boat and was walking towards him. And he, this, these demons recognized Jesus' power. And so that's why, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? In other words, leave me alone. Aren't we good at doing that too? Huh? We're so good. Yeah, Jesus, leave me alone. Yeah, you, I'll go so far with you, but after that, leave me alone. Back off. Don't torture me. These demons that were speaking through this man, thinking about torture, they, they thought they would be thrown into the abyss, you know, right then and there. And they were worried about that. Why? Because Jesus had said, come out of that man, you evil spirit. Demons recognize Jesus' authority. You know, it, 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 listen, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. In our culture today, pluralism, you know, where all roads lead to heaven, you know. If you're a Buddhist, if you're a Muslim, if you're Hindu, if whatever, if you if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus. All those roads lead to heaven. Can I tell you something straight up? No, they don't. They don't. And it's something. It's interesting here in James two nineteen. Here's James again. The half-brother of Jesus. He says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. (laughs) Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Can I tell you something? Demons are not atheists. They know the power of the one true God. They fear Jesus even though they don't worship him. They fear him. And this first question, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? Uh, it, it's, a, it's kind of a Hebrew idiom here that it, it expresses incompatibility of opposing forces, which makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, Jesus is there. These demons are there. They're not compatible. They're opposite sides, man. And so the, the demons are saying, what do we have in common? And they're saying, you don't have any business with us, Jesus, because we are evil, and you are holy. These demons were expecting Jesus to stay on the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee, and he shows up on this side. I love it. Jesus, son of the Most High God, using his powerful great name. Yeah. Second Timothy 2.26, Paul says that we were captive to the devil himself. He said, then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Yeah. You see? I'm telling you, if you're not living for Jesus, you're living for Satan. It's one or the other. One or the other. So, he says, my name is Legion. There are many of us. Legion, a Roman military term, a Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. And here, 
the man felt like he had a battalion of demons inside of him. And, and um, you know, Jesus had, had given the command and the demon spoke and the demon spoke truthfully. And verse 8 said, come out of that man, you evil spirit. Yeah. Come out of that man. And once again, we're reminded that Jesus purposed to go after this demoniac because he loved him. Number four, pigs no more. Verse 10, then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. That was the abyss. They wanted to stay in that territorial area. That's what demons like to do. They're territorial. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into the pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. See, Jesus had to give permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. You see, the demons, these demons know eventually they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. You go to Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, the last book of the Bible, chapter 20, verse 10, it says, Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, the Antichrist and the false prophet, which you read about in the book of Revelation. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Yeah. So, Satan... His demons, they cower in the presence of God. Just remember, Satan was created by God. And at one time, Satan, Lucifer, was the worship director in heaven. He led the worship team in heaven. And then he became proud and wanted those angels to start worshiping him. Pride got in the way. And a third of those angels followed after him. And those are demons today. They're all created. So Satan and, and God are not on equal playing terms here. God Almighty, and we have a fallen angel, Satan. So keep that in mind. There you have it. Number five, a choice made Jesus go away. Look at verse 14. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. <laughs> There's trouble. There's trouble in the camp. <laughs> People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Isn't that interesting? They were afraid of the dude when he was a wild man, and now they're afraid of him because he's normal. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowds began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. That word perfectly sane, that he was fully clothed and perfectly sane, that means he was quiet and he was harmless. Quite a contrast to what he was before. He was a, a terrorist before. And now he's quiet and harmless. This guy who terrorized the town, 
No, he's just sitting there with Jesus, you know, having a cup of coffee and listening to those words of life coming out of Jesus' mouth. 1 John 3, 8, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy is a great word because it refers to an untying and unloosing. Man, he, he has come to destroy the works of the devil. And he wants to do that in your life, in my life as well. And we see that the crowd begs Jesus to leave. Imagine, you know, these, these pig herders, 2,000 pigs all of a sudden take a nosedive into the Sea of Galilee, and they are no more. What this says to you is in this community, and you think about this, this, this community. I mean, it's, it's, it's a known fact that this guy living in the cemetery, he was brutal. He was evil. He was sinister. But you got these, everybody else in the town, now that they see this guy is normal, he's been delivered, he's been set free. They don't want Jesus to hang around. They're more concerned about their pigs, you know? More concerned about losing their stuff. Because we know when Jesus works in our lives, things start to, we let go of it, right? They get in the way with our relationship with him. That's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. The crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away. Jesus comes to bring life. People chose death. He came to bring freedom. These people chose bondage. He came to bring light. And these people preferred the darkness. It's sad. So how, how do we respond with Jesus, you know? They were all afraid. Those are, we're all afraid. Three huge words. Change bothers people. Man, I, I know um, over the years, you know, parents would see their, their son or daughter get fired up for Jesus. And they would go into panic mode. They, they, they would prevent them from coming back to church because Why? When, when they, they, they didn't, it didn't matter if they were addicted to stuff. But when they put their faith in Christ, there was such a transformation that it, that light put, was put on their darkness as a mom and dad, and they shut it down. That's, that's kind of what was going on in this community. The light of Christ had exposed the darkness in this man, and that darkness was gone. He was free. And the people went into panic mode. Jesus, get out of here. You know? We want to keep you at a distance. Well, Jesus did what the people said because in verse 21, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake. There's no biblical record that he ever came back again to this community. Number six, a transformed man tells his story. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Isn't it interesting? 
the town to say, get out of here, Jesus. And the man who has been set free says, Jesus, I want to come after you. I want to follow you. I want to be with you. It's quite a contrast. But Jesus said, no, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns, otherwise known as Decapolis, of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. So the people asked Jesus to leave. You tell Jesus to leave, he'll leave. Disciples get in the boat. And this man wants, he's begging Jesus to come with him. He wanted to follow him. Man, once again, people that have been set free from sin. They are full of gratitude and love back to their Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine this man's family, you know, that knew him as a terrorist, and now he's got the joy of the Lord? Can you imagine that, going back home? Yeah, that's where our mission field starts, man. It starts in our home, and then we take it out from there. And that's what Jesus was saying. Did, did Jesus say, hey, hey, you need to go to, you know, to a 10-week class to learn how to share your faith before you can, can go back into the Decapolis? No, no, no. He said, tell your story, man. Let the people know what I've done for you. That's all you do. It's kind of show and tell. You know, this is the way I was. This is the way I am today. It's all because of the grace of God. And um, so we're going to turn a corner, and, and um, how does this relate to you and me? I, I can tell you that um, this text relates well for each one of us in 2020. First of all, we have to be careful what we allow in our lives. Otherwise, we open the door to demonic influence. Can, can I just share this quickly that uh, our society has become fixated with evil. Have you noticed? Uh, if you just do a pan over what kind of shows are on television today, uh, there's vampires, there's zombies, there's witchcraft, there's warlocks, there's murders. That, that's kind of the, the major themes on television. Watching that kind of stuff will open the door to demonic activity in your life. What we allow in our minds impacts us. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Put a guard on it. In other words, don't have it as an open door and everything and anything can come rolling in. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. You, you can blow this off and say, you know what? <laughs> you know, uh, there's no demonic activity. What, what Paul's writing about here is if you have anger camping out in your life, you are giving the devil a foothold into your life. That's serious. It's that easy. 
We can become comfortable with demonic activity, but going to church makes us nervous. Oh, man. Second, when Jesus solves our problems, it sometimes costs us our pigs. <laughs> have you noticed? Have you noticed, man? I have. Hey, when you put your faith in Christ, that's justification in the eyes of God. But that brings us to the next step, which is sanctification for the rest of our life, where the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder of areas in our lives, attitudes, thoughts that are displeasing to the Lord. What? He's getting rid of the pigs in our life, right? He's getting rid of it. He, he's, he's sanctifying us. And third, when demons roar, we need not fear if we know and love the Lord. Isn't that true? We don't have to be afraid. 1 John 4, 4, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. So, Jeffrey Dahmer, back in February 1992, was convicted of 17 murders in Milwaukee area. Some of you may remember that. Disturbing pictures of him sitting serenely in court, his face frozen, motionless, no sign of remorse, no hint of regret. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now, he would be a guy like Nicky Cruz where you would say, man, it's hopeless for you. You're evil. God could never forgive you. Well, while he was in prison... And while he was being interviewed, a man from Oklahoma saw the interview, and, they saw, and they, he saw Jeffrey's response where there, it was motionless, emotionless. He was stoic, you know? And so the man really had a burden for, for Jeffrey, and he sent Jeffrey the Bible correspondence course on Steps to Salvation. Guess what? Jeffrey filled those out, and they mailed them back to this guy back in Oklahoma. And so while... That was going on. Jeffrey put his faith in Jesus Christ because one man in Oklahoma had the heart of Jesus and connected with him. Roy Ratcliffe, a pastor from the Milwaukee area, was contacted by this guy in Oklahoma who went into the prison consistently and discipled Jeffrey. He was baptized, read his Bible, Went to chapel. His life was transformed. Today he's in heaven. Nikki Cruz, the demoniac Jeffrey Dahmer, all hopeless cases in the eyes of people, but not in the eyes of God. Today, maybe you want to put your faith in Christ. Say, man, I haven't put my faith in Christ, and I realized I. I'm living for Satan. He's influencing my life. Remember, Jesus went to the cross once and for all to pay for your sin and my sin by shedding his blood on the cross. And you can say, Lord Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. Sin will keep me away from a holy God.
And I believe, Jesus, you went to the cross, you shed your blood to pay for my sin debt in full. There's nothing I could ever do to earn it. And so today, I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me. And I'm inviting you, I'm inviting you, Lord, to become my personal Savior. I'm not going to be like that community that said, get away from me. Leave me alone, Lord. No, I'm inviting you to be number one in my life. So come in, Lord, and be my personal Savior. And I will live for you through the power of your Spirit for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if that was you, we want to celebrate that decision and choice you made. Go to lifechurchmh.com, our website. There's a link there. We'd love to get information back to you on how you can grow in your relationship with Christ. Man. And hey, hey, you might be a follower of Christ, but you've kind of been coasting and cruising. And stuff that you're allowing into your home, into your personal life, it's contaminating you, man. I just want to encourage you to think about the direction your life is going and reconnect with God Almighty and allow him to live through you for his honor and glory. Amen. Thanks for for watching. Thanks for being here today. We're going to sing a great song on the way out and uh, enjoy your time.